What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongol Show, sponsored by Roughnecks Cars. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. The Hounds lost. MLS is coming for the USL, but hey, the men's national team won something, so that's good. Let's uh, We're going to break it all down in this episode. Gentlemen, how was your weekend, Josh? Did you stick around the full 45 minutes waiting for Lily to stop yelling at the guys? I sure did. I think it ended up being close to like 50 minutes of us standing. There's about 20 of us in the Steel Army that stayed, uh, kind of just waiting in the stands for him to get done talking to the team. Uh, and then after I get done, what I assume was a very heated conversation from the the little bit I could hear all the way from, you know, this, the Paul Child stands. Uh, <laughs> they, they all came over and fist bumped. And uh, yeah, it was good. I actually, I feel like, I think because of all the COVID stuff with the last home game, uh, this is the first time the teams all come over to uh, kind of like, you know, see the Steel Army. Um, granted, there was only like 20 of us at that time because it was 15 minutes after. It was literally like another half. I was just going to say, <laughs> you just... stuck around for a whole other half. So good for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, and uh, they all came over and uh, they looked downtrodden, as you would expect. But, uh, yeah, it was it was good to, that they did that. So <sighs> that game. I say none of the new guys were crying or anything, were they? Everything was. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure after like you know a couple of weeks with Lily, you yeah, you kind of have to be numb at that point, right? Yeah, it feels like I, you know, I saw all the the tweets about it yesterday, and uh, part of me feels like that's like a power move by Lily to make you guys wait around too. Like it could just be like game's over, go high five, and then come over here and I'm going to tear you a new one. But he's like, no, 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 I'm going to take everybody's time, and then you can go say bye to everybody. See, see you, your problem is you're thinking Lily thinks about anything other than soccer. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Steel Army did not come into his head. Like the, the fans did not come into his head. Like after that game, you know, all he is thinking about is what they did wrong, what needs to be changed, and there's nothing else in the world. Like I still remember there was a game a couple years ago where they underperformed and Lily. And this was when, after the games, the kids would come on the field, the people would come on the field, it would do the players sign autographs. They always advertise about it. It's a big deal. And Lily had them for like 25 minutes talking. And like every, all these kids are like lined up outside the gate, waiting to like rush the field to talk to the players and nothing. Finally, I think Tuffy or someone was just like, release the kids <laughs> like the, the gates is open they're still in their huddle in the middle of the field and like the kids just come running towards them it's like oh, i guess that <laughs> the huddle's over <laughs> saved by the kids oh um kev what went wrong yesterday i don't know that it's like this team is in the what six games that has been played so far uh, is a real Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, the you know, the the games that we've won, um, even the three two, I thought we played well. You know, the the three nil against the or three one three three nil or three one against Red Bulls too. I can't remember. Just, three nil, three nil. Yeah. Um, looked sharp, looking looked in control. We were creating chances and putting chances away, and it, this team didn't look anything like it. And and I don't think it w- had anything to do with. The rotation in the squad either i mean you know sure we don't start with ciceroni we don't start um i mean ciceroni was probably the biggest biggest miss but like i guess you could say williamson right um you know he comes on makes a somewhat decent impact i mean I, geez i was i was happy someone just finally took a shot on that um when he came on and he like 
20 yards out or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I don't I, like, it's easy to say they didn't want it enough. They, they weren't hungry enough. They weren't aggressive enough. Um, it feels like it's all kind of soft things. I mean, and, and there were times where just, yeah, we lack quality. We do, you know, and it was like Thompson would make a, a cross field pass and, you know, the, the player that like it seeks out and, and hits, they just don't control it and it goes out for throwing. Um, and that seemed to happen too often as well. So I don't know. It, it, it was, it was a really, really frustrating game to watch and it just, it didn't seem like they turned up. I mean, I guess where I'm left sort of scratching my head is how much of this was the hounds lacking quality and how much of this is it's really difficult to beat a team when they put 10 men inside their own box. And so, you know, I think when I saw the initial lineup, I was a bit surprised after the success that we had had after the past two games, we seemed to have settled into a formation. We seemed to have guys that were sort of settling into place. And this seemed like, once again, we just changed everything. And it just made me wonder, we know that Lily likes to switch things up and, um, and, and try to play or, or structure the team for the team that we're playing. But at a certain point, I start to wonder how often are you just trying to field a team to play the team you're playing against versus trying to figure out what your identity is and enforcing your identity on the game. And that's what I'd like to see us do more at home. And this felt almost like we were trying to set up to, you know, play against Austin. Um, at, at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win. But I think where I give the guys a bit more slide is that we're, we're what, six games in now? We'd have to go back and look and see how many of these players started every six games. Um, because was when you... Griffin... Was, I think they I announced think there was just two. Yeah. yeah, it was Griffin and V, I think. Yeah, and so, you know, when that's the case... And you don't have you don't have the sort of unwritten chemistry with the player that's next to you because you never know who the player is that's going to be next to you. I get yeah, what Lily's I, trying to do by saying like we're more versatile because we can play that way, but we've got what seven points after six games. So like, can we play that way right now, or should we be more focused on picking up points? I don't know. I mean, I think there there were definitely moments where maybe there was a lack of connection between players, but there were there were moments where I mean, like, I thought I thought the sub bringing Todd Wharton on as one of the back three in that scenario probably should have happened at halftime. the way The way the game was going, I mean, both our kind of like wide center backs and a back three were getting a lot of possession and yeah, Todd Wharton is pretty good defensively. He has the legs to run around and and close people down and make, make challenges. And, and, um, and he has a midfielder distribution, but he came on and he was awful. <laughs> like he, he was, he was giving the ball away way too cheaply. There were times where he would, I remember one, one in particular, he was just squaring up to a guy in like any other direction, any other option is the right option. And he just like runs into the guy and we lose possession. And, um, so I don't think like, I, I can't say like, that's a tactical thing. Like, I think a lot of players just had really bad games and I'm not trying to say Todd, you know, Todd Wharton has shown so far this season that, yeah, he's a good player. He's, he's had good games. This was not one of them. And a lot of other players had, had poor games as well. Um, 
And so, I mean, look, I, I think three or four or five things can simultaneously be true. Um, I think all of them kind of added up to the culmination of what we, what we ended up seeing. I, so Mike, like, yeah, I agree that like, okay, maybe there's some weird stuff happening tactically where he's switching around too much and asking too much too early. But I think also the players didn't turn up and to be fair, I mean, Austin defended well, they defended well in numbers, but they defended well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Josh, what was your, what was your read from the stands? Uh, when it was hot, it was, <laughs> I, f- I felt bad for you guys. Oh my God. I, oh, yeah. I mean, literally I spent half that game behind the stands in the shade watching on my phone instead of being out on the stands. Cause I got so hot. I was just like, I, I, I need to get some shade. I was also like burning. So yeah, a little bit put it this way. I went to Myrtle beach for a whole week. Didn't get sunburnt. But as soon as I stepped into the, <laughs> the Paul child stands, I was like, I feel like I'm burning alive. Like, so like I hid from the sun for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just, it's funny. Cause like, it didn't look like we were playing bad. It just looked like we weren't playing with passion, which sounds like I, I can't believe that. Like, I don't, I don't want to like think like, Oh, we just didn't have the fire in us. It's like, eh, like, is that a thing? Is that like really like a real thing that as a professional player, like the other players wanted it more than us. I don't know. Like it, it felt like it. And like to go down a goal within the first 50 seconds of the game and to not respond at all. Like it never felt like we were like, no, it's let's get this back. It just felt like, like, well, that sucked. <laughs> and it like, it just, it's annoying. It, it really is. It's, it's really annoying to see that. And like, I don't know if it's a situation where the players were, full you know uh we're fully rested from the busy last couple of weeks because of the games being so close together and like there's plenty of excuses i can try to come up with with why they didn't play the greatest game or why they weren't able to complete passes and most of them feel just like excuses like none of it should have mattered like this was two games in a row now at home not performing we we haven't seen a goal at Highmark Stadium. <laughs> like this is not acceptable. Like something needs to change fast because how are we supposed to get fans back in the stands if this is the performance we're going to see day in and day out from the Hounds? Like people aren't going to show up, and it's scary to think that because I I'm worried about the team getting people into the stadium when this should be the biggest hype that we have right now. Cause everyone's been locked in their houses for so long. And this is a situation where like, Hey, people want to go out. People want to see, you know, a live game, see people eat hot dogs, you know, have a stadium beer. That's way too expensive. But like, that, that's what a game is like. And if this is what we're going to show up for, we're going to need more than a view of the city. And unfortunately that's all we have right now is a pretty view. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only reason why I I do think that part of it was passion. I do think part of it was players. I think that their Austin's goal, we were just caught standing around. Like it felt like it was way too easy for them. Um, But I also feel like some of this has to be put on Lily as well, because we've said for years that we've struggled at having somebody that can make that like, pass that cuts open a defense and make that final pass when you're relying on Kenny 
or you're relying on your three guys at the back to pass it through two lines of Austin players to make that final pass, like that's not going to happen. So like once they start packing it in, we either need somebody running through there, breaking up those lines so that Kenny's pass isn't the final pass. It's the second to final pass or the few opportunities that we had came from when we were able to stretch them out and allow them into our zone and then counter because there were less bodies there. And we did that three or four times and it almost turned into a goal, a hand or, you know, out of those three and four, probably 50% of the time. So like when you know that that's what happens for somebody who stands on the sidelines and yells so much, how do you not make that adjustment? Um, so, you know, we know that Lily likes to coach from the sidelines. We know that the players have to fulfill his wishes. So when something like this happens, he's like the 12th player. Like you have to sort of hold him accountable too. So it's weird. I almost feel like in the games where Lily's gotten it wrong, those are almost the times that you see him keeping him the longest, keeping them the longest after the games. Whereas if they play really well, but we still lose, it's like, okay, like, you know. <laughs> We played well, like go see everybody. But okay, so what what else would you have him do? I guess is would be my question to both you and Josh. Like if what what would you have done differently as as this game plays out? I mean, not to have a cop out here, but like I'm not a coach. I'm not a, you know, a person who's been in this league for as long as I, as he has who has the tactical know-how as he does. So I feel like I don't know what he should have done, but I know what, obviously it didn't work. What whatever he did, and to say it's just the players he has on the field is the issue. Like I don't know. Like is was the tactics correct here, or did you know? I don't know. I will say though, I was pleasantly surprised by the uh, quotes coming from Lily after the game because it wasn't what we usually see. Where he's like, "Oh yeah, they played a great game." Like I fully expected that. Like. Even with the 50-minute, uh, you know, reaming that he gave the players after the game, usually he goes into that press conference and it's like, they actually played a really good game, blah, blah, blah. You know, just the chances weren't there. Like, he was straight up like, passion's not there. Something needs to change. Like, there was, you know, th- what we saw in that field was not a team that wanted to win. Like, he pretty much flat out kind of threw the team under the bus. But, I mean, how, what else do you do at this point? Like, if they are not getting any goals at home against – Austin, who isn't a great team. It's not like this team was Tampa Bay. This team had won one game before this. Uh, they've lost. I, I can't remember the score lines now, but they're, they're not a great team. It's not like we were playing Tampa or Louisville. This this was a team that we should have been able to beat at home. Yeah. Kev, I mean, I, I agree 100% with what, with what Josh said. I'm not a coach, but from my armchair analyst type position, First of all, we were we were relying on Mikel Williams to make final passes. Like when you're relying on your center back to be making final passes, like that's a problem. So I would say first things first, you got to stretch the field. Like I know we want to pack it in. If you're Barcelona or your city or your Liverpool and you want to play in one third of the field and you have the technical ability to do that, great. That keeps your guys from running too much. That keeps them fresh, whatever. That doesn't happen in the USL. You can't play in a final third. It's like, you know, playing Foursquare and having everybody in one square. Like, it, it doesn't work. Um, and then the other thing that I would consider is if, you know, Austin is going to stack their lines, change up the formation and have more people running between the lines. You can't have 
Kenny, two lines of defense, and then guys waiting to make the run on the other side of that defense because Kenny's not going to be able to break through those lines. you got to have people in between to help cut it up. And we just didn't do that. We didn't make that shift. So, like I said, it's easy I, for me to say sitting here and yeah, no, I, I think part part of the part of the issue is it it gets difficult and complex when all Austin wants to do is sit sit in there on third. I you mean, know, the, yeah. The counter that though, like, remember, I think it was the Hartford game. Uh, we score first, and then as soon as we score, we do that. We we start parking the bus, and it's early. It's like the first half, and we're like everyone's like we're not good enough to park the bus for, you know, a full half, like half, most of the game. Like what is, what is Lily doing here? Like th- this is a perfect, you know, situation for us to go down and sure enough we do. And like, it, it, like we can't say that for our team and then be like, well, Austin parked the bus after they scored in the 50th second. And therefore like, how are we supposed to ever score? It's like, no, <laughs> like, you can break that down. No, I agree. I, I think I, I'm just saying it makes it difficult. That's all. Like they, they, Austin had, I've said like 50% pass, like accuracy. It was like one out of every two passes connects. Like they, they had no interest in actually trying to control the ball and control the play and actually like do anything other than put everyone behind the ball and then trying to counter, which is completely fine. It's a legitimate tactic and we need to figure out how to, how to break it down. And I think if anything, yeah, I mean, the, the, because, you know, what, Dequa is probably our tallest forward. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like we, we, now, now in the absence of Dos Santos, we don't really have a, a target to, to go in. I, to be fair, I, I thought Lily made changes. He might've just maybe waited too late to do them. So like Wharton coming in as a center back by the end, Velarde is playing left wing back, um, which is good like in that sense if you like if you need to stretch out the play and if you need someone out wide who can actually create chances Velarde's Velarde fits that profile so um I thought he was at least being somewhat proactive in that way to try to do it I think yeah just at this level I mean e- even like all those top teams that you mentioned before yeah they even like they'll struggle when they when an opposition team puts everyone behind the ball it's a hard thing to do and in the USL, it's it's hard to have the technical ability to make a you know perfect cut pass you know and create a chance for your forward who makes a perfect run and blah blah blah. Nine times out of ten, the easier thing is to do is just throw the ball in the box and get bodies in the box. And we we started to do that at the end, and something got at least like the crowd got excited, right? I got excited. There's balls falling in the box. We might latch onto one, and 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 I get you know I like we that's probably not what he wants to do this season. He he wants to, you know, and for being honest, nine times out of 10, that's probably what we want to see too. We want to see like good passing plays. And, and so I, I think it was just, I'm not trying to give them an out here. I mean, I am, but like it was, it was a bad performance. They played bad. They didn't play with passion. You know, they, things didn't click. You're doing well, devil's advocate. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's just it's you know it's complex stuff. Yeah. Do we think that Cicerone, like if, if the game wasn't going as terribly as it was, would have would Cicerone have come in at the half, or would he have rather rest Cicerone? Because if he was going to bring him in anyway, like why not start him and have him play the first forty five minutes instead of have him play the second forty five minutes? Because honestly, like you have your top goal scorer on the bench at home when you need a win in front of the home crowd and like you, you, you sit the guy who scores goals. 
why it it felt like lily was being too cute it was just like like exactly what you said josh like as soon as the lineup came out i was like huh like what seriously um I, and and you know for all of the arguments of like well you know rest the guys we're six games into the season like and we have a whole week before our next game so like what are we resting guys for at this point i can understand if we're you know 20 games into the season and we're looking down the stretch, but that's not the case. So I, I mean, were we just under valuing Austin as a team and being like, Oh, we can put our scrubs in. Like, not that the people who played were scrubs, obviously like we, that sounds bad, but anyway, (laughs) 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 like, um, like it's a situation where we just thought like, Oh, okay, let's uh, not put out our strongest starting lineup to give some guys some rest because Austin's Austin and we should be able to steamroll these guys. I find that a little bit hard to believe because I feel like Lily is a tactical coach who watches a lot of tape and he would have known what we were getting before we got it. Um, But it is a situation where it's kind of weird because like you're playing a team in the West who's playing competitions that you don't play. So you don't really know how good these teams are compared to your, the teams that you do play because there's so little cross play going on. So I can understand being a little bit wrong about the tactics as far as like what to expect from Austin. But at the same time, it's like, you need a win at home. You haven't had one yet. Go all out. And, and a goal that early really changes everything. I mean, like I, I, I am a hundred percent confident in saying if Austin don't score in under a minute, they don't sit back the way they did. Like I, they had a different game plan. I'm sure they did. Yeah, they and did. They, they, I'm sure they felt like underdogs. And whenever they got up, you know, yeah, you, you go through periods in the game where all right, we're going to defend now and it just keeps working and we're up and we're away from home and it's really hot out and blah, blah, blah. And the sun's in our eyes in the first half. And like, so I can, I can see how it's just, things kind of compound and make it a bit more difficult. Um, and, and I think like, I don't know, in that sense, his lineup with three at the back, I mean, like if he, if he had a crystal ball and could see how at least the first five, five to 10 minutes would play out. I'm guessing he probably starts four, three, three instead of, and having two center backs instead of three and get another forward, you know, like, and he just, he just kind of gets handicapped by that. And and it makes it a bit difficult when, when you, when, when Austin has 10 guys behind the ball and we have an extra center back to sit and not doing anything, what takes another player away from our attacking, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, but once again, they played crap and like they got it wrong. So like, I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying to say that, you know, Austin put on a masterclass here, even though they played well. I will say this, and I just want to, I don't want to linger on this game too long, but I, I want to give a shout. And Josh, tell me if you guys saw it differently, because talking to Steve, it sounded like he saw it differently. I thought the officiating crew did a really good job in this game, and I would take them like any game i thought like the the ref did a good job of explaining things of getting in the middle of things quickly of making the right calls I, but that was the view from from tv what I did mean, you see josh the the one opportunity we really had the very uh near the end of the game it looked like there was a handball in the box i <laughs> could see under i could understand rewatching and that kind of stuff why it wasn't called but it it did look like especially because it was right in front of the steel army section it was it was right there we're all watching and it looks like a handball in the box and it's like really this is like that could have been the difference in this whole game and it just gets overlooked but other than that i think you're right like i i didn't really see anything that was egregious compared to what we've seen in the past 
Yeah. Normally we, it always comes back around to like, I hate to say it, talk about the refs, but like, this is one case where I want to make sure that we say like, look, I think they did a good job. So I completely agree. Oh, and just, uh, I think one of my, in, in a game where so little moments gave me joy, I think one of my favorite parts, I think it's towards the end, one of Austin's counterattack opportunities um, where Austin tries to break quick and the ref starts booking it to like keep like to kind of get ahead of the play and he was faster than it like he, he was like <laughs> quicker than everyone else and it was just so clear to see on the tv screen just like holy crap this green jersey just yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great yeah um all right guys so let's 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 put this game in the context of sort of everything else right so we're six games in after the next four games we will be 10 games into a 32 game season. So we're, we're in the next few weeks, we're going to be approaching a third of the way through the season. Our next four games are against Miami, Indy, Tampa, mm-hmm. and New York. <laughs> so we, we currently have seven points heading into Saturday's home match against Miami. So my question is, is, how many points are we getting over these next four games? Josh? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about it. Okay. So, I mean, honestly, it's it's going to be rough. It, and it's that's what sucks about it because it's going to be it, already having the lackluster performance going into a tough stretch of games is that's a big mountain to climb. You know what I mean? That's That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of just snowballing effect that we're going to have. I mean, Red Bulls too, not worried about as much as obviously Indy in Tampa Bay, but counter that. I mean, last game, Tampa, not great. Last game, Indy, not great. Like it's, I don't think we should be afraid of these teams as much as I feel like we are because of the performance we've had so far. Like if it wasn't for the lackluster performance, I feel like, we could go into these games confident and we should still go into these games confident. Yeah. Agreed. Kev, how how are you feeling about uh, the next four? Weirdly just like average and fine because I, I, once again, I think it's, we're such a, we're such a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, like if the right team shows up, like, sure. Like I, we could win all four. Like we're not going to. But but hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. hold on, hold on. Is it the case that we are a Jekyll and Hyde team, or is it the case the teams that we're playing go from good to bad? Like mean? we beat Loudon in New York. Is that because Loudon and New York are bad, or is it because we actually played good? I actually thought Loudon played okay. Like I, okay. you know, I it, no, I I will say, I think we've been a bit unlucky with how certain goals oppositions have scored against us. Like, I don't think like if that guy from Austin tries that shot again, a hundred times he puts in that 10, like I, it was a good hit. It was a good hit for a USL player. Like, and I'm, I, I'm damning him with fake praise here, but um, so on that, and you can be, you can be like, really? Uh, so I think we've gotten a little unlucky in those scenarios. And I think we haven't shown up in, in other games. So if the right team shows up, I, I mean, the only team right now I'm, I'm like eh, is Tampa. Um, 
but like, yeah, Miami's right around us in the table. Uh, you know, Indy have Atlanta United two ahead of them and, you know, have, have two losses on the year out of six games. And so I, I'm, I'm not like too, too worried. I'm at this stage. I am worried about us. And if I've, I've seen two games out of our six where we showed up and played and the other four we haven't. Um, so it's, it's, if we can get those two, two game, you know, two game type teams to show up and play. Yeah. I feel confident about any result in, in this stretch in, in, in the next four games, but I just, I don't, I don't see any evidence for why that would immediately kind of happen and, and, and stay like that. Well, luckily most of the games are away, so we should play better than at home, <laughs> obviously. So <laughs> uh, let's, let's do this. We got four games. I'm putting the over under at four and a half points. You guys taking the over or the under? I mean, I, I think you have to take the under. Like, how do you take the over at this point? Uh, like, yeah, I agree. Like, there's unfortunately, like, I obviously don't want the under, but it's there's no reason for me to not expect the under. Wow. I thought I was being like really pessimistic. I don't, I don't disagree. I was expecting one of you to be like, <laughs> you got to take the over, right? That's like a win in two draws. Like, but things aren't great, Mike. Things I was going to say, that's, that's, that's very indicative of the state of things right now. Is the fact that we're saying we've got four games and we're both, and we're all expecting four points or less out of the, those four games. The all, so, okay. Trying to put an optimistic spin on this. You don't have to. Like, no, I know. I, I, no, I want to. <laughs> right. I, I, okay, I think, right. I think we need to balance things out here when they deserve to be balanced out and i think they deserve to be balanced out i i i believe in the quality of these players um i believe in the quality of lily and i've seen evidence so far in the past six games where we can be a good side historically lily has started slow we pick up momentum in the middle of the season you can create a narrative around this that suggests everything's going to be fine and we're going to pick back up and we're going to go on a run and we're going to shoot up the table. Um, that's still on the cards. It's just, you know, you kind of have to find that narrative right now. <laughs> like it's not really showing you, know, it's not, it's not in your face. Um, so that's, I think that's the upside where I'm still not like the season's over. We're not going to make the playoffs. It's still, still early, but you know, it's, we're running out of time to say that. And yeah, Lily's a good coach. These are good players. They just need to start proving it. All right. I'm going to let you finish the Hounds talk sort of on that high note. So that's, that's how we're going to end the Hounds talk. There's two other big things that we need to talk about guys. So the first is the Atlantic came out reporting, I guess it was last week or early this week. No, it was last week. So it's Monday. Um, MLS is starting a new league in division three next season in 2022. Um, according to the article, uh, half of the MLS teams will participate They're They're pitching this as sort of a feeder program for MLS. So giving some of the younger players on these MLS teams, some minutes um, and the ability to play against uh, quality opponents. They are said to be inviting independent teams to join this third division league as well. Um, without promotion and relegation. My, my, my question to you guys is on the surface, when this came out, were you at all concerned about what this means for USL or the Riverhounds? Josh, you've sort of lived through multiple different leagues and battles and 
How, how did you feel about this when you heard this news? I mean, when I first heard about it, it kind of just made me think, oh, they're starting the reserve league again um, with a little bit better paint job. Like, you know, I mean, like it, it sounds like it's just the reserves league, which was what they had before USL allowed the two teams to come into uh, the championship and now also in League One to, or yeah, League One. Um, so it, it, it doesn't concern me too much. Now, the, the caveat there is the independent teams that are allowed to join this league. Um, I just don't know what is in it for the independent teams. Like, there's, is there good, like, we know there's not a draw for two teams for crowd size. Like, if you go to any two-team game, which we've, the Steel Army, we've had away trips to two-team games, there's, like, no one there. Like, there's no crowd, even the ones that, like, Loudon, where it's like, hey, look, we rebranded them. They're not DC2, they're Loudon. They don't get a huge draw. So I don't see why, if I'm an independent club, why I would be like, hey, this sounds like a great league for me because if given the choice between this and usl usl has bigger crowds usl has a more independent feel where it feels like this isn't a feeder uh league so i'm not all that concerned about this league like it doesn't sound like they're offering anything that usl doesn't offer better i mean in the article and shortly after the article came out there was a whole q a section um, that the, that the athletic did. And, you know, people were talking about, uh, like television rights to this league and all of that. And Josh, that was my immediate thought was who is watching these two teams play? Like it, it's not, you know, if you're, if you're comparing, you know, a Riverhounds away game to a Red Bulls two home game in terms of television, you're getting more fans from the Riverhounds than you are from Red Bulls too. Like, it's just, that's just what it is. So I don't know. Kev, are you at all concerned about this news? So, yeah, I mean, it seems like the perspective is USL is a legitimate lower division league where, like, we allow two teams to play. This, the narrative. Which, which, which wasn't always the case. Sure. No, We've, like, yeah. grown into that. But go ahead. The perspective of this new proposed MLS lower division side is a two team league that is allowing independent teams to come in and that yeah like like josh just said like that's just just from the narratives and the perspectives of the, of, of both of those leagues and yeah the independent league still that feels like there's going to be more legitimacy around it like it i think the worry being a usl fan with a usl club that i support the worry is the legitimacy then switches over to this new mls league and that takes off and the USL dies and we're left in no man's land and something weird happens. With that perspective, it, yeah, it, it's hard to think how that kind of takes off and leaves something like the USL in, in the dust. However, the, I think the only thing that is potentially worrying, I'm guessing here, I, I don't, huge speculation, but if it has MLS resources behind it, that that's, that makes it a bit more difficult. If it if it has, you know, they might have more money for like higher quality television, like just better cameras and better like angles and better commentators and better like stats and everything. And it just might be a better product um, than what the USL is able to put out right now. Um, but I, I still don't think that's going to be enough 
for people to care about two teams. I think that my, my, I agree with everything that you just said. I think that my, the reason why I'm not as concerned about that is that obviously the, like the news can make the news, right? ESPN chooses what they want to put on and what they want to highlight as like the best games. But is ESPN really going to pump up a Red Bulls two game in a market that already has fans that are following Red Bulls one and likely don't care about Red Bulls two, or are they going to pump up the Riverhounds or Louis Louisville city who have no other teams in the area and have tons of fans that are going to prefer to watch that. They're going to try to get as much mass market as they can, and they're going to pump up the USL teams. So I don't know. I don't, I don't really see this as a threat. My, my one thought was like, well, we've been complaining about two teams for a while. How is this actually going to impact if the two teams leave the USL? What does that look like? I think somebody can check my math here. There's only six MLS two teams in the championship this season. And there's only four in league one. So like we'd be losing a combined 10 teams between a championship and league one. And with all of the teams that are lining up to join the championship in league one, I don't, I don't see that as an issue. Like go play in your reserve league. And the USL will keep doing its thing. Now, what I don't fully comprehend is what is the long game here? Like, why, unless it's purely developmental and MLS feels that the players that they have on their two teams aren't getting the experience that they would need in the USL, which I don't understand that, um, why do this if you're MLS? I mean, so the way I see it is, the partnership with USL made sense at the beginning because USL was a little bit lesser at the time, third division. It was a situation where they didn't have to pump a lot of money into these two teams in order to play in USL. Stadiums and, this, and yeah, yeah, like yeah. There, were, there weren't these requirements. But then once a uh, championship happened and it became a division two league, and it became a situation where there was requirements being placed with stadiums, size, staffing. Um, cameras, like uh, announcer, like all that kind of stuff built up, and it got to a situation where it's like, hey, USL is now kind of looking at the two teams and being like, you guys are, are you know, holding us back a little bit, or like making the product not look as good. Can you improve these things? And a lot of the clubs were like, no, we don't want to because this is our reserve league. That's not why we're here. We're not trying to have you know people in the stands as much like that. We don't care about that stuff. So that's why they we're going to go back to reserve league um, a little bit because they were kind of forced to by the standards place. So that makes sense to me, but then that makes me think that MLS isn't going to pump money into this reserve league because the whole reason why they left the USL is because they don't want to pump money into the reserve league, our teams. So I, I don't really understand that idea behind it unless it's pretty much spite. My one concern is less about, that like what MLS can do. My concern is more with their partnership with the Federation, the USSF, um, because they have a pretty good relationship with them. And USSF is more likely to play ball with MLS than they are with the USL. Um, so we could see a situation where maybe for some reason, the requirements for second division, uh, sanctioning is lifted to a point where it favors MLS. Like, Hey, you have to have stadiums that hold 25,000 people. Like, you know, like the MLS size pretty much be like, Oh, we happen to already play in MLS stadiums. Cause we're two teams. So therefore that like 
I don't think it's going to happen. I don't see why they would do that because they're not as maniacal as I think they are probably. Uh, (laughs) Imagine them being. But there is a situation where MLS could play this in their favor where they could kind of like scheme their way into being a Division II league and kind of making USL jump through a lot of hoops and a lot of teams not being able to jump through those hoops and just causing them to fail that way. It would be stupid, but it, that's the only thing that I'm even remotely concerned by. Yeah, I mean, and that was, uh, I was going to say, the big question there is why, right? Because there's what, USL has said they've got like 40 cities that are lining up to come play in the USL. So if you were to shut that down, you're basically killing 40 teams across the country in cities that could potentially be MLS markets at some point. Now, I could see the MLS trying to set up something similar to the USL Championship and promote their own version of Pro-Rel, in which case you have these independent teams that want to join. But as it's set up right now, I still don't, aside from just wanting to have control, like you're trying to create, you're trying to create a Division Three system, you could just join League One, which already exists but you're choosing just to do your own thing. So Josh, I think it does come down to what you said. I think it's just control. I think it's just, it's our money. We're going to do our thing and we can make the rules however we want to make them. And it would be stupid for independent teams to join them because there's zero benefit. It's it's literally like, you're not going to, there's, there's talk of pro rel between league one and the championship. There's talk of tournament play between the league one and the championship. And like to just go play in this reserve league for no reason, it doesn't make any sense. What they could do, though, is the whole thing with the independent clubs being allowed into this essentially uh, reserve league is you could make a situation where you you squeeze out USL with these regulations and all that kind of stuff with the soccer federation. And then when there's no choice for these independent clubs, they now go to the reserve league because MLS controls it. And now MLS is in control of the situation instead of USL being in control of the situation. And they can make the rules where it's like, Hey, we're allowing all of our reserve players to have one day contracts where they can go up and down between uh, the first club and the second club. And like, there's no regulations to the, those teams. So yeah, they have an unfair advantage, but at the same time, this is a reserve league and you're kind of stuck with only having us as an option. So, you know, too bad. Yeah. So it sounds like not a ton to worry about right now, but we sort no. of need to, to look for the uh, writing on the wall over the next few seasons, see how this actually plays out. This could be one season and they're done. We don't even know. Um, I, I will say it, it seems like it's either going to be extremely benign for the USL or it's the start of a very long ter- long-term like attritional continued war i mean there's always been a you know tension obviously (laughs) soccer wars yeah between mls and the usl um but i mean because yeah you once i'll i I won't make this long but you can you can you can get into the like the the speculation fantasy world and the what's the what's the word in conspiracy theory world of like you know the timing of it all right like you know, the U.S. men's national team is finally getting good. An American just won the Champions League, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, soccer is becoming bigger and bigger in the U.S. So th- if you're the MLS, you probably want to say, all right, like, consolidation of power. We want to we want to own soccer in America. And the existence of the USL is not good. Let's get our two teams out of there first, and then we'll try to build something around that or whatever. I don't know. Um, so it, it could be something like that. Or it could be like Josh's you know, point, 
there's these certain regulations around USL and, you know, two teams don't want to play by that. I guess my one counter argument to your conspiracy theory, which I don't, again, disagree with, is that MLS doesn't own soccer in America right now. It belongs to Pulisic, Reina, Steph. It's it's over <laughs> in Europe. Like that's everybody's watching that. Those are the names everybody knows. Nobody cares about. I shouldn't say nobody cares about MLS, but like it, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger. I mean, honestly, they they own the mind share of soccer in the U.S. as far as domestic play. Like if you ask, you know, a hundred people, what's the domestic leagues in America uh, for soccer? They're gonna only know MLS. And they they do have the lion's share of the the mind share as far as that goes, but it, it is a situation where the only good thing I can see coming from this is this will light a fire under USL front office to get that pro rel going, get the champion or get that you know interleague play tournament, going, yeah, yeah. like the tournament situation, like so that way they can have a differential you know situation compared to MLS. So like. Maybe in the long run, this will light a fire, and that'll be great. Agreed. We we uh, alluded to it here just a moment ago, but guys, the last bit we got to talk about: the U.S. men's national team are like legit now. Like, what what happened? They they beat Mexico three to two in extra time last night. Josh, you're the only one who stayed up to watch it. You stayed up until when? About one a.m. because of all the celebration afterwards and uh, the the great Twitter conversations going on about it, and it, it was a crazy game. If you stayed up to watch this game, just the last like I think twenty minutes of this game was like PK for the U.S., PK for Mexico, and then a pitch invader and a, another kind of pitch invader at halftime for not the pitch, but for the broadcasting uh, setup. Uh, so Dempsey's up there uh, with, you know, the, the the halftime analysis. And then suddenly a guy just shows up behind them, like, waving. And then suddenly he just jumps behind the <laughs> desk. And he just disappears. I, like, he could be I dead. I don't know. Like, <laughs> and Dempsey's just like, oh, all right. Cool. <laughs> um, and then there was, like, just crazy red card for the, uh, for the coach of Mexico because he was, like, putting his – hand around the 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 ref when he was looking at the replay the var for the the Pelusic foul in the box and it, it was just crazy it was it was the most fun i think especially after a really crap riverhounds game coming home putting that game on expecting more disappointment like you know i don't turn on the usa national or men's national <laughs> team expecting to be uplifting situation i'm like all right they're playing mexico let's watch this blank show and like, <laughs> I, I was just like expecting it to be more bad things happening and then to have the entertainment value of that game and it was also some terrible stuff too because of, of mexico fans doing the the chant which the homophobic chant they're not allowed to do and the game getting stopped for that which they have a whole new system where they have like a three strikes in your out situation for that they stop play the first time the second time they make the teams go back in the locker room for 10 minutes and then if it happens a third time, they just call the game off and then they're, they'll finish it behind closed doors the next day. Mm-hmm. So, like, it only got one strike uh, and it didn't happen again. But then right after that, the PKs are the, yeah, the goal happens from Plusik and they go to the corner to celebrate and you just see bottles and cups being thrown. And it's just like a lot of crap gets thrown on the field, hits one of our players, they go down and then near the end of the game it happens again a lot of balls being thrown on the field and one of them ends up hitting a mexico player 
So like they go down <laughs> from their own fans throwing crap on the field. So it was, it was a crazy game. There's a 20 minute highlight package out there. I suggest watching that because you get to watch a lot of that stuff happen in that highlight package. I was just going to say, so I watched the 20 minute highlight package and I was like, this was amazing. And still like half the stuff you talked about wasn't in that highlight yeah. package. Yeah. <laughs> like, this not all happened outside of those 20 minutes. So yeah, I totally wish that I would have watched this game last night because it was thorough. The, the 20 minute highlight package was just thoroughly entertaining start to finish. So. And, and like it, it, okay, the funny part is the part that I don't even care about. And I don't think a lot of people care about was it was the final for this new tournament. And that means USA won a trophy because of this. I don't, I, I couldn't even tell you the name of the tournament. Now I've totally forgot. Does anyone I had, know? I, I had to write it down. It's the CONCACAF nations league. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then if you go look on Wikipedia, we were the first ones to win it. But yeah, this apparently is the first year of it. it was introduced to get the national teams a bit more games. Um, and there's like a tournament tier, like A, B, C tables, and you got to play your way through. And somehow in like secret stealth mode, the USA made <laughs> their way to the finals with Mexico and won it all. So, I mean, yeah. the thing is, though, this is a USA versus Mexico game. So it doesn't matter if it's right. like friendly. Like, it right. does, like, I could care less about the competition. It's just the fact that it's USA versus Mexico. So, therefore, this game matters. It doesn't matter about the competition. It doesn't matter if it's friendly, whatever. Like, anytime they play each other, it's an event. And this was a huge event. Like, as far as like spectacle, like, obviously, the, the, the accolades whatever okay who cares but the fact that this was a veteran mexico team against our young young usa team and a usa team that has not been performing all that great it was it was a fun game to watch and i forget who said it uh someone online was like pelusic showed more excitement for winning this than he did with chelsea <laughs> <laughs> it's like he looked like he was on cloud nine yeah. for this game <laughs> which shall, tells you how big it is for usa players uh when they play mexico i had a moment sort of watching the highlights last night where years ago i had gotten a landon donovan usa jersey and i was like he's gonna go down as potentially you know like it or not he'll he'll go down as like one of the best player usa players ever and watching last night and being like Pulisic just won the champions league. Here he is getting taken down in the box, coolly slotting home that PK in the upper 90 and winning it like between him and Reina and like the future looks bright for these kids. I mean, Dest too. Yeah. Stefan. Dest, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was only in the first half of the game, but yeah, he, yeah. It makes me feel old when, you know, Tim Ream is the old man out there and unfortunately <laughs> was getting beat on that left side quite a lot. But yeah, man, like I'm going to have to start paying attention. We had a whole conversation in the offseason, Josh, about like, should we care about the U.S. team? And you sort of talked us into like, not right now. No, it doesn't matter. But like, I still don't. I'm not positive. Like, you know, what I mean, like this game was fun <laughs> to watch and like this was a great game, but it, it's still not like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, got to give the shout out to Horvath who made the diving PK save um, at the end to essentially win it for the yeah. US, which is nuts. It's nuts. So, um, yeah, guys, real quick, Miami, come to town. First time ever this Saturday. 
Is it a is it a zero point, a one point, or a three point? We won't even do score predictions. Let's just like Cav, you're shaking your head because you either don't want to answer or I, just, like, I don't know who's <laughs> gonna show up. Like I don't I don't know what a Browns team's gonna show up. And so it's really it's really hard. I mean, like if if the Hounds team that played Austin shows up, there's no chance. Um I but yeah, so I mean draw, sure, that's in the middle of the road. Josh? I think, okay, honestly, three points. I, and I know I'm negative this whole time, and I, I just feel like the fire has been lit. The gauntlet has been thrown. At this point, like, losing at home twice in a row, Lily reaming the guys for 50 minutes after the game, and you could see in their eyes after that whole thing, it's like, it, it's a wake-up call. You know what I mean? Like, And I feel like they have to show up to this game. They know they have to show up. Lily knows they have to show up. There's a fire, and this is Miami team that isn't the greatest team. It's not like they're lighting the world on fire right now. I mean, they lost to Hartford. Uh, they won against the Red Bulls. They lost against Tampa. They did beat Charlotte Independence, which is more than what we've ever been able to do with Charlotte Independence. So, you know, take that. But it's, I'm not overly worried about this. It's not like this team's a great team. So if there's an opportunity to win, a game at home soon. This is it. And I feel like that fire has been lit and they're going to do it. I'm going to say not zero points. I think this is a case where Lily is like, we just need to get points at home. So whether that means we play shutdown defense and we go for the counter, which I think might actually benefit us because we do better when we're running at the game, not like waiting for the game to come to us. Um, I, I want to share your sentiment, Josh. I want to say three. Um, so yeah, that's what we think. Let us know what you think. We got a couple of one points, a couple of three points in the comments. Um, thanks to everybody who, you know, always joined us live. Kev. I'll just say this. What, who, who are the forwards? Do you think that we should start? (laughs) Honestly, I want, I'd like to see us go back to, um, what, who did we play right before Austin? The was it the Alex Dixon, the Cicerone, and then Velarde setup? Yeah. yeah. I'd like to see another shot at that. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no clue. But real quick, just another little thing because it did just break while we were recording this. I haven't had a chance to read much about it, but USL has given more information about uh, I think it's 2022 start of a women's league. Uh, USL Women's League, uh, 30 teams is what they're shooting for for this women's league. Um, 30 teams makes me think, how does Pittsburgh not have one? Like, I think that they're gonna have one. It hasn't, like, I'm there's no like insider information here, no, like, but if if USL is expecting 30 teams, that'd be awesome. Like, I feel oh, like man. we're gonna get a women's team in Pittsburgh and with our academy set up as it is and all everything like that, and how uh, the women's side of their academy has been stellar in Crushing the past. It. And like, yeah, like they're like by far the stars uh, of the academy. We should get a team, and that's really exciting. Don't call them the Lady Hounds. Whatever you do, yeah. yeah. Don't call them so if you're Hounds. listening, just that—that's a terrible name. <laughs> someone it put like- that in the comment. I saw that someone posted it in the comment on YouTube or something like that, and I was like, oh, didn't yeah, yeah. That. There's an article that just came out while we were recording. Almost at the very beginning. I haven't had a chance to actually read it yet, but yeah. 
um, that's going to be interesting. And, and uh, we also got a USPL team, uh, which I don't know anything about the league, so I, I haven't been speaking about it at all. But the, the name of the team is ridiculous. That's all I remember. Yeah, Pittsburgh City United FC or something like that. And our friends, the Hotspurs, have started playing again. Nikki Kolarak is leading that team oh, yeah. as well. Um, they're they're doing well. We might have a giveaway related to them coming soon, so Ooh. stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, lots and lots of news. Um, we'll be very interested to hear what happens with this women's league. We knew there was a USL Women's League coming. The announcement of 30 teams is what's special. And I think it's, 2022 is also not uh, was announced before. Like we didn't right, know for sure. Right. Um, I think whenever we we broached the topic with the Hounds, the discussion always centered around money and the cost to run the team. But you got to imagine, you know, if we own Highmark now, we own the training facilities, we own all the stuff, then it's really just fielding a team. And so, how do you do that? Um, that'd be awesome. So. Lots and lots and lots of really great stuff going on. Um, like we said, thanks again to everybody who, uh, who's who been joining us live and adding comments and we've been posting them up on the screen. We really appreciate the thoughts and the feedback. Um, let's hope the guys can go get it done this weekend. I think that's it for this one. Thanks again, everybody. Make sure you head over to mongols.com. Click on support the show to become a Patreon follower. Um, this is your weekly reminder, as always, that black lives still matter, which I really appreciate that on all the warm-up kits. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a completely custom kit for a youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at icarusfc.com. Looking for more great USL news? Head over to bgn.fm where we've now got over 100 fans that are writing and podcasting up a beautiful game. Lots of great features that go up on the site every single week. Check them out at bgn.fm. Otherwise, thanks, everybody. 